So, hey guys, uh, what's, uh, emperors are bad, right? We, we can all just generally have that opinion. <laughs> yeah. Though I gotta ask, who's your favorite emperor in terms yeah. of, the, just like, not, not like specific to any empire. You can just pick any, any empire in any time frame. Who's your favorite, like, head of state of that empire? Recognizing that they're probably in Does it right has now. to be a monarch? No. No, not monarch. Anyone who's like a head of state. Head of roughly. state. Mm. Of a, head of state. Of a of an empire. Of an empire. And you know, <laughs> to I guess to, to define mm. an empire, a large geopolitical entity in control of a vast amount of territory. How long has America been an empire in your estimation, Jack? For this question. Okay. Because it can create I'm also some very um, very, very funny answers if it's a wide enough. <laughs> Okay, so I I will put that where do I personally consider that America became an empire? Yeah. Oh man. I mean part of me wants to say the Mexican American War, but I let's say like the Spanish American War is kind of where the birth yeah. of the modern American Empire as it is. Okay. Lyndon B. Johnson is my favorite head of an empire. That's a solid that's a solid pick. Not mm. bad. Mm-mm. Let's mm. see. Lyndon B. Johnson is one of my favorite historical figures of all time because he's the most racist civil rights advocate that's ever. <laughs> hey, you can't say that any. The L in L, the L and the B, Jackal in LBJ stand for lesbian bisexual. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't that's think true, that's though. what it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have an image of, like, a yossified LBJ. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> uh, yet again, I've made Jack a laugh for multiple minutes consecutively. Oh, play the music, play the music. But it's over and over. Oh, and over. So mine is definitely like it's a tie between two people. It's a tie between the like um God. It's a tie between Caligula just for the raw, like, syphilitic output. Just, just like, the the absolute oh insano, like, <laughs> bullshit that everyone yeah. was like, man, we can't keep this guy around. He's He made his horse a senator. He can't stop. He collects STDs like they're pennies. Like, he's, he, he, you know, he's up there with Aleister Crowley for most sexually, like, STD-riddled man alive. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. And then... I always forget the name. I always forget the name of this. However, uh-huh. the guy who was, um, shoot, they, there was like a Norse, he was converting to Christianity. He was like a Norse king or like a, a, a formerly Viking king. And it's like the funniest thing. He was having a conversation with the man who was like his Christian tutor. And what? I don't, where are you getting this from? What is, what is the, <laughs> I just remember hearing it. I remember hearing it a long time ago. But I distinctly remember that he told his tutor, he was like, basically his tutor was like, and here's how the crucifixion happened. And yeah, he, was yeah, so in, he was so incensed that he was like, I, if I were there, 
I would have rallied all my men and we would have saved Jesus. And the guy, he's just like, I, I don't think you... I don't think you get the point yet. But he's a little confused, but he's got the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's got the spirit. Yeah. spirit. That boy got the spirit. Lo- love your energy. Don't quite get it yet. I'm uh, not sure about the Caligula pick, but you know what? Uh, solid second pick. Finch, what's your uh, favorite? Uh, I would have to say Emperor Claudius. Um, just because he's very underrated as a ruler. Yeah. And he's, yeah. But like that was sort of how he was able to like take power i mean like because he was like he was like an unexpectedly brilliant person because he spent all of that time during the reign of caligula like pretending that he was you know weak a simpleton you know not a threat and then like while caligula was getting murked by his own guards he was like all right well I'm in power now. Let's let's get back to business here and uh, manage to like expand the empire into Britannia, which is just I just find him like a very fascinating character. This has worked out really well the way Jackal's doing this here because we have introduced all the hosts. Uh, I don't know if I said I'm Josiah, but we have introduced Finch and Phil, and of course we are now introducing our guest for today. Uh, welcome, Gaius from the Tribunat. Hey, welcome. Uh, hey, yeah, good to be here. Uh, sorry, but yeah, it's uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's I'm really excited about uh, you know talking Rome, talking shop with you guys, and uh, answering oh, yeah. some questions, and then. As far as my favorite emperor goes, uh, I am a like uh, diehard Caesar partisan. I uh, if oh, I had yeah. a t- really, I don't have any. I don't have any tattoos, and I will never have any tattoos. But if I did, it would just be like a Julius Caesar did nothing wrong, like tattooed oh, on my back. No, um, oh, I like I like the guy. <laughs> okay, well, no, okay, he did a lot I of mean, things you, wrong, you- but. It's my like it's my like little hobby horse to defend him, I guess. This it's, is uh, this you is have a finch to admire the man's spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a go getter. His poetry was like next to none. I, now I will I will be a little little contentious here. Is Caesar an emperor? Does he count? Yes, Ooh. that's one of my yes. like. That's one of my little uh, things. My little things to get uh, caught up in unending circular debate on. But yeah, I, I think so. Suetonius, the lives of the Caesars. Who does he start with? Like, you know, it's. I, I'm calling him an mm. emperor. Uh, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree with Guy's assertion there. Not to mention, like the pageantry that Caesar was putting on in like the Roman streets, like with his face painted red to like represent, um, you know, the god Mars and stuff like that. Very, very imperial. I think. So yeah. let me get he was he was working problem. his like whether or not he had the title or not. He was definitely he was definitely working his way there before uh, you know the eyes of March ended up uh, you know being a bad day for him. But the uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think well, I you know the way the um, <laughs> yeah you know this is an understatement. I don't I don't want to do spoilers. I don't know if anyone's read it. Yet. I but the yeah but the, the Romans I think they built a temple to the guy. They called him a god, and then after that they called all the other caesar's gods and they were literally all called caesar because they were all like oh yeah i'm related to him somehow tangentially you know so uh Mm. and you know the russian czars german kaisers Mm -hmm. it all comes down to this uh this one bald dude so uh kudos to him so let me get this straight all of these people were insane syphilitic pedophiles yet they did manage to run a government not very well (laughs) 
<laughs> not well at all, actually. You're, you're talking. There's, I, I listen, think there's the term "run" you guys is a, out there. The term "run" is a very loose, loosely applied to Roman emperors. Yeah, it it, it applies as nicely to Roman emperors as it does, like Chris Christie. Okay, I mean, like the most successful emperor was the first. I mean, besides Caesar, mm-hmm. was like first official emperor, which was Augustus, because he ruled for thirty years, yeah. and then after that, it kind of. Mm-hmm. Went a bit to shit yeah, there. Jo- jo- job security was not great for a lot so of guys. What is the what is the average uh, like ruling span of a Roman emperor? How fast that they depends on the period, wars? right? Yeah, yeah. Like during the second century, they had a really good run of it where there were um, like the, it's called the five good emperors. The first one. I, I feel it's funny he gets he gets included in there because he was only he was only on the throne for like two years. But after that, there were like four guys in a row ending with Marcus Aurelius, starting with Trajan, ending with Marcus Aurelius that were all had about 20 odd years each. And that was kind of the height of the empire because it was like the first time they ever had competent people back to back and that were reigning for a long time. Woo! But then after that, you know, shit really hit the fan. And right. uh, if you if you could That's hold so it for funny. like if you could hold it for more than two years. Like kudos to you. That was a uh, that was something. I, I I really think that it really went downhill when they just started putting children on the throne as well. Just, yeah, just small children. I mean, uh, Valentinian. Yeah, yeah. that's not a third. good sign. Yeah, not a good sign when that happens. Yeah, it's it's called the crisis <laughs> I, of the third century for a reason because the third century was just one extended crisis. And there was like a new emperor. <laughs> there was like a new emperor every two or three years, and there was like different guys you know multiple at the same time it was not not a good time to be around i just want to quickly add uh my favorite emperor and this is not i'm not applying this about governance i'm applying this to what makes me laugh the most is uh diocletian simply for the cabbage story the the quote if you could see my cabbages you would understand the impossibility of that suggestion has lived rent free in my head as since i was a child i have never been able to move past i've been never able to move past that quote it's so it says so it's much about good. the dude you know what i think we are um our both of our our uh picks for favorite uh head of state of an emperor empire is kind of tangentially related for that exact thing you know what johnson whipping out his dick all the time to like prove how powerful he was you know he was I doing spiritually what? you guys yeah, don't know because you don't know oh my god you guys don't know that he was like I, I know he was lifting up his little beagles by the ears i didn't think he was whipping his dick out so what? finch what do you think the lbj stands for it stands for large big johnson guy why do, uh guys why don't you tell <laughs> us a little bit about uh the tribunet for anybody who doesn't know what about it sure yeah um it's a youtube channel that i run with a good buddy of mine and our mission is to look at the classical world particularly rome um and you know the roman empire from the perspective of the the average folks i guess it's it's not a great man history this is definitely history about uh making sure that the context mm. of the great men the people that you do read about in in books and and stuff the people whose stories are told by most historians that how they interacted with the actual people that you know either put them into power or who they governed or who they repressed who they enslaved like we want it to be like a comprehensive look at all of that and kind of we're unabashedly critical of rome because i think one of our i think it's an interesting society for sure but it 
to pretend that like I think a lot of people who are interested in it uh, do it a disservice by kind of hand waving away all the very legitimate criticisms about how their society operated. Just kind of people are like, oh, well, it was a different time. It's like we're very committed to not doing that and looking at them with kind of objective modern morality and saying, you know, this it's interesting that they wrote cool books and had nice buildings, but this would have been a very, very bad place to live for the vast majority of people. Yeah, I actually um, kind of leads nicely into like a good way of us like talking a bit about um, both both your channel and then also kind of, you know, talking about I, I, I assume you politically identify as the of the left. You haven't said that Public yeah, like, for sure. Know, like Certainly. This, yeah. yeah. But I assume you do. Um, you know, you're, you're doing that history from below that kind of like more uh, leftist approach to history. Um, and, mm-hmm. and tying that into the channel, I was going to say this, this could be a good example of that is the way you guys talked about crucifixion in your most popular video. Do you want to quickly say a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's basically we look it was a history obviously we talk about jesus in the video because you know he's the most famous person to have ever lived and he died by crucifixion so it's very hard to avoid you know any discussion of him uh (laughs) but the whole video was more about like the practice of like what actually happened what did it mean why was this used uh you know because it wasn't just in first century palestine that this happened this didn't just happen to a single Mm. guy uh, this was a widespread punishment that they would inflict on mass on people that, uh, you know, displeased them, runaway slaves or provincials that had rebelled in any way. It was something that was reserved for non-citizens, for outsiders, for people who disrupted that social order that they, you know, the rich and the powerful wanted so desperately to protect. So I think that because I think, you know, crucifixion was a a fear you read about the the like the zealots that were even active during Jesus' day and then they would go on to help foment the rebellion like 30 years after he died uh they were being crucified left and right while he was alive jesus would have seen a lot of people who had been crucified they have a um hmm. on the streets of jerusalem itself um from that era there's a they don't know what it is but there's a podium kind of and there's a hole in the middle of it. And some people think like they probably this was on the main street of Jerusalem. They probably just always had a person up here crucified wow. constantly, day and night. So yeah, because uh, it was right in the middle of the city and uh, it was an elevated ele- it's an elevated stone like basin type thing with a hole mm-hmm. in the middle. And they're like, they probably just had somebody here all the time. So, you yeah. know, it's like a very horrifying shadow to like grow up under and like it would affect how you thought about your place in the world. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just a very horrifying thing. Yeah. And I think you can't, you got to look at it from that whole perspective. If you want to appreciate mm. from like the gospel side, like what it actually meant for it to have happened. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to say, I think that video captures your history from below kind of approach, especially because, you know, you, you emphasize the way that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of writers from the time often don't talk about crucifixion as much as it is actually reflected in the archaeological yeah. record or whatever, um, because it was like a dirty secret or whatever. And so you're actually kind of like exploring an ideology of power when you're talking about the right. role crucifixion like functioned you and, know, and in, in crucifixion Roman society. Itself, yeah, crucifixion itself is just so quint- quintessentially Roman, like just mm-hmm. making an example of somebody like that in a sort of symbol of somebody who has yeah. displeased empire it, and, and it, it's I, just very much their style i think yeah and and the degree to which like because they didn't invent it but they perfected it 
if if you can call it that. Yeah, and then sure. they also were just they just had less of a soul about how they were going to use it than other people because they had no qualms about collective punishment. And it was like, oh, somebody from this village threw rocks at us yesterday. Well, let's crucify these four guys. I don't know if they did it or not, but like, you know, who, who cares? So, uh, you know, there's there's stories about how they, they would just do it um, during the siege of Jerusalem, um, during the Jewish rebellion. They just everybody they caught, they would do it right outside the walls of Jerusalem while Jerusalem was under siege. And they're like, hey. This is what we're doing. You can't do anything mm. about it. There's thousands of people out here, you know, slowly rotting. Hey, it's guys, like, it's guys, It's just a guys. very horrifying uh, thing. Just stop the <laughs> fighting for five seconds. We gotta crucify some. Like, it's <laughs> it's my nine to five. I get it. Siege and all. But can't can we just hang a guy? Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, uh... Guy, feel free uh, to disagree with me on this, but I I, I really feel like, you know, the politics of empire in Rome very much reflect what we see now today with the systems of oppression in the modern world, certainly. Um, You know, you have in, particularly in the occupation of the Levant, you had these elite groups uh, of um, Levantines who were working with the Romans, who were causing destabilization, and who ultimately did lead to Roman occupation because that was in their interests. The Romans mm-hmm. were promised, like Her- Herod, Antipater, uh, show, um, were the primary catalyst for massive destabilization in that region, uh, particularly when um, the Hasmonean queen died and the uh, two brothers, Astrobilus and... Oh man, I forgot the, se- the second. Starts with a C. Starts with a C. I, I, I'm blinking as well, but yeah, when when Pompey, yeah. uh, when Pompey strolled in, and when they they uh, they for some dumb reason decided to trust him to arbitrate, and he was like, actually, I think I'll, I think we'll just take over. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I think I mean one of the reasons that Rome fascinates me is because I think to me at least it's the first ancient society that's like intelligible from our modern uh, vantage point, so to speak, like. Stuff and like absolutely, be- we just don't yeah. do anything different. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because so, yeah. uh, it's like, well, we have like, for me at least, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, like, interesting, but I just can't get into their headspace, I guess. Um, yeah, whereas the Romans, yeah. it's mm-hmm. easier, and it's pro- it's partially because they have like so much of our institutions are directly descended from their ideas often their shitty ideas but their ideas and so mm-hmm. i think that yeah like what, what you said definitely tracks because it's i think it's just a pattern of empire i don't think it's certainly not like unique to rome they just did it bigger and better and earlier than anyone else and so yeah it, i think the empire has a way of like reproducing itself like like intellectually so to speak like within each within each uh, generation of it, within each time it kind of crops up in different, like different power center, centers of power form their own empire. Like one of the things that you mm. read about in the Romans that I always find so interesting is they thought all their wars were defensive, like kind of like how we approach. Oh, it's like, well, we invaded Iraq because we had to, right? Like they were, they were, right. you know, like, it wasn't like a even when they that were, was the excuse even when they, they gave for the Levant. They, that was yeah. the excuse they gave for the really? Levant. Really? I did not we know need that. a buffer wow. state. Yeah. They, they were fighting against Parthia at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's all, yeah, like all of their, they were very conscious about like, oh, we're never the aggressors. We're always forced into these conflicts. Like, uh, Mm. that's particularly more prominent during the Republican era that like, they felt the need to, to justify themselves. We don't have the sources as like, 
because during the imperial era there was less politics happening i guess you know it was always a one-man show but um but like they would they would do invasions then as well but like during the republican era they were like very vocal about the need to uh present all wars as defensive that's that's interesting so so with the yeah with with the rise of the empire like or not the more imperial rome proper like it it switches or there's less of that emphasis do you think that there so you you brought up um off mic the um kind of connection between like the founding fathers and the u.s um you know Mm -hmm. the u.s being huge rome weebs as as you i think yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but um you know especially they're they're about the republic right you know like that was their yes yes and so it's it's kind of interesting that that same uh, kind of foreign policy has kind of replicated itself in the American system as like, you know, we, we frame everything as defensive or the fight against mm-hmm. communism or something rather than, um, you know, we just want to go conquer. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I it's like the lies, the lies we need to tell ourselves are always the mm-hmm. same. Right. Like, and so, yeah. uh, cause you know, you might want like w- when we when we invaded Iraq in two thousand three, we wanted to do that. Like like I don't oh, yeah. think anyone's any I don't think even the people who were doing it were under any delusions that it was a completely a war of choice that like mm. you know, oh this will be fun, we'll blow well, things up. But like we had yeah. to at least lie to ourselves or at least in polite company tell other people like I know obviously I'm not talking about us, but the the people who were mi- pull it, pulling the strings and calling the shots definitely mm. wanted it to seem like, oh, we they're forcing our hand. Like we really yeah. have no choice. Well, and it, so. it might be something to be said of like um, Republican or, you know, a, as much as you can call the Roman Republic democratic, more more societies organized around that kind of, uh, you know, it, it needs to like maintain that defensive posture or something to mm-hmm. justify itself to the people uh, domestically. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's great it's that we have a species never learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> Roman conquest is fascinating. Roman rule, certainly. I mean, I know we had a very long discussion off mic about Pilate, which I found very fascinating. Uh, The brutality of his rule um, and sort of the way the Gospels were sort of misinterpreted, uh, misinterpreted his character Mm -hmm. was uh, was a very um, I very much enjoyed that conversation. Um, Very much. People, I, I don't think that a lot of Christians understand that Pilate was not so much a passive character in the story of the crucifixion, especially if you consider the writings of Josephus, um, you know, the horrific, horrific acts uh, he describes Pilate doing uh, in order to try and instill Roman customs and beliefs onto the Jewish population. Um what um what uh i suppose like what sort of um do you see sort of similarities between like sorry this is a stupid question no, it's um, fine. uh i i suppose like i don't know do, does anything like really stick out to you about pilot's reign like the brutality of it the similarities in the modern world i i mean like i think about his, him a lot in particular but okay. i want to hear your takes about him first I, your head cannons <laughs> yeah i i don't think i think like one of those reasons he's so fascinating is he's not a remarkable man at all like mm-hmm. he's uh i think he was probably competent in his role but like there are a million other people who did or not a million but like there were so many other people in rome that governed provinces that did the exact same things he did in the ways he did and had he been assigned to spain instead of judea you know he never would have 
cropped up on the scene. Like he's he's a totally obscure guy, like a you know, just like uh it's like the joke about like the the white guy who like whose dad owns a car dealership and he just finds himself as a Republican congressman one day, right? So it's like <laughs> like he's he's kinda he's kind of that. Like he's just like he was, you know, he's born into the right circumstances, shows enough talent. He's not a deranged syphilitic freak like Caligula. He at least has somewhat of a head on his shoulders. And, you know, that's all it takes for you to advance. But he's not like a remarkable person. He's certainly probably not incredibly cerebral, but he just wants, he just doesn't have qualms about uh, putting his boot down on people's necks. And that's what the kind of system was built to reward more than anything else. So I think that uh, as far as like how that tracks, you know, how you can lay that onto the modern world, I think that, you know, oppressive systems won't they're not like when the police department's hiring they're not like you know they literally won't hire you if you have a high iq i don't know if you've seen that but there was a court case about (laughs) a cop who or someone who applied to be a police officer he did the iq test and they i mean iq's bullshit obviously but like they rejected him and then the court case said well no they don't have to hire you uh, because they they just want someone to take orders so i think that it's uh Hmm. it's essentially like you know, when you're replicating a repressive system, you don't want talent. You don't want innovative thinking. You want somebody who just, you know, can be a reliable cog in the machine and is going to take orders from the top to slit some throats when you want that to happen. Right. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think that's just also why I find the Levant, like, the most fascinating Roman territory. Just Not just because of the story of Jesus, and I, I know we're all biased here because we're all Christians, but just like... The, the politics of what was going on there, the, the way you see this pattern over and over, because the story of Pilate is the story of Antipater. Antipater was a um, a wealthy landowner. He was a guy, but he was a very smart guy. He was a smart guy who wanted to go um, get up in the world, and he saw the advantages of allying with Rome and sort of worming his way through the, these systems, and eventually that got his family on top. And I think it's sort of the same thing with Pilate. He knew the system. He knew how to sort of play the rules. And, you know, as you mentioned before, he governed Judea for 10 years, which was very, very rare for a prefect at that time. Um, Even like, and you, you see sort of the, you know, appeals to the Roman law he does in the, in the gospels. You see sort of the Roman pageantry he's doing the trial of Jesus, you know, um, he puts, he arranges a piece of theater in the trial of Jesus that is just, I, I think about it so much because you have on one end this guy who is claiming himself to be the king of the Jews, who is, you know, by, in every sense of the word, and, you know, by Jewish law, is sort of blaspheming because they don't know he's, you know, they don't know if he's the Messiah or not, you know, he, they, they see him as a preacher. And so, and he hasn't really done anything for the Jewish people. He has not actively fought against this tyrannical government that is constantly, constantly oppressing them and brutalizing them. And 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 then on the other side, he puts Barabbas. And you know, in the Gospels, they mar- uh, they, you know, some of them say that Barabbas was a murderer. He was very likely a revolutionary. You know, in Josephus, he mentions that this rebellion had happened around the same time uh, the year before during Passover, where um, Barabbas was likely part of a Jewish revolt against the Romans. 
And so you have Barabbas here who has actively tried to help his people, who has actively fought against the Romans, as opposed to Jesus, who is sort of saying, hey, look, with, you know, he's not doing anything about this, um, you know, th th this, this force, or at least not any that they can see. So who, of course, the crowd is going to choose the, the person who they think is the best shot at their freedom. And Pilate knows this. And he sort of wins the day. He, that's why, like, saying, I wash my hands of this man's blood is so chilling to me. Because he is orchestra, he is manipulating this crowd. And he knows he is. But he's saying, hey, you guys chose it. It's your problem. It just, uh, <sighs> Pilate was such an asshole for one thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, it's just like, and you see this again and again with the powers that be that manipulate these vulnerable populations who just so desperately want their freedom. It, it, it just, oh man, it's just, it's something I think about so often. Yeah. Because you was, just see it time and time again. He was a like, yeah, master, master of political theater. I think of that a lot of the empire is optics, you know, that's a timeless truth, I think. So, and I, you know, he's, I, I just want to note that the thing that kind of, I don't know, I don't remember, so I might be wrong. I don't know if this ended Pilate's political career, but it definitely hurt it and caused his removal as governor of Judea was the massacre of Samaritans that happened mm -hmm. under, I did he order mm -hmm. it or did it just happen under his watch? He was, uh, I believe he ordered it, regardless of whether he ordered it, he was held accountable for it. And that's what had him, uh, the governor of Syria that, this Syrian province that he reported to ended up having him sent to Rome where he was, you know, set to face some Caligula style justice, but then Caligula died. So he, uh, he dodged a bullet there. Uh, <laughs> and I think he, you know, that's kind of where he disappears from the historical record. But that's another thing of optics is that he oh, wait, goes wait, too I, far. I apologize. I think it was Tiberius that he was, that Tiberius passed away, not Cal in Caligula, ascended. Yeah. Caligula was like, oh, I don't, I don't actually want to, I don't actually want to govern, uh, just go away. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, yeah, he was sent back to Rome to answer to Tiberius, and then Tiberius ends up passing, and we don't know what ever becomes of him. But it's, a, like, it, it's another matter of optics, I think. He goes too far, at least in, like, in the opinions of the Romans. Like, he, it's too public. It's too big. It's too public. At least, like at that time. Obviously, the execution of Jesus turned out to be a bit of a bigger deal in terms of the historical record. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, we all believe the guy's God, so clearly it had an effect. But like, in terms of Roman like political optics, Pilate was brutal enough. He was brutal enough where it was sort of like what they expected. But what was it about like? the murder of those Samaritans that kind of pushed it as, okay, this is too far. We can't justify this to ourselves. We have to address this. I, uh, I wish I could answer that question about what exactly it with, why that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, and it also could have just been internal politics with him and the governor of Syria. Maybe they were stepping on each other's toes and, uh, they yeah, I, 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 I'm afraid I don't quite have the answer to that specifically, but, uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm he not expecting no, I, I, I okay, to know with, all, but I, yeah. I gotta agree with Guy there, because it could have just been that, like, they were out of his jurisdiction. I mean, like, we were talking before about this 
story I read back in uh, university of possibly some records between why Anipus was pissed off at Pilate before Pilate gave him Jesus. And that might have been because Pilate had killed Galileans that were under Anipus's uh, jurisdiction. So maybe it was the same thing. So my first thing is that I, I could see the logic like Pontius Pilate, if he had a background as a warrior, it kind of makes sense that he would release Barabbas because Barabbas, he's referred to as a murderer, which I assume in the Gospels, if you added context to it, murderer of a Roman, I would assume, because they would like if he had murdered a Jewish person, probably would have ha been handled by Jewish law. But you have to remember, Phil, he was also described as a revolutionary. So he is he described as a revolutionary, probably... but what I mean is all kind of like fits together, you know? Right. No, no, no. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm agreeing with you. I think that it was possibly violence against a Roman, yes. So most likely that's why they referred to him as a murderer, because that's the official criminal distinction he's under, that the Romans are calling him a murderer. <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating because I guess Pontius... He is definitely, if he has a background as, like, some sort of warrior, because I think that's actually, if I'm not mistaken, how Roman senators, politicians mostly got their start. Like, the whole idea was that you spent your time, you know, in the military and then retired to public office, basically. You would have, yeah, you would have had to have spent, like, your 20s as a non-commissioned, the equivalent of, like, a non-commissioned officer, like a... You know, not a frontline guy, but, you know, a cavalry commander or a guy who's bossing around the, the rank and file, but, you know, still on campaign, still somewhat exposed. But yeah, that was the typical career path for, you know, he was an equestrian. So that's like the the second rung of the aristocracy. So he was born mm. into he was born into like wealth and privilege, not on the scale of like the imperial family, but, you know, the uh, miles and like that's uh, in the in the modern equivalent, his family would have been worth you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars, say. Damn. Yeah, so that bad. makes sense because, like, he he bad definitely sees the logic in releasing Barabbas because Barabbas is also kind of like him, and he knows that sort of behavior is popular and kind of gets a, people with, like, a reputation. I don't know, that might be me, like, projecting, but I thought it was interesting. Like, it's an interesting thing that he... He, ha from, like, the background of being, like, kind of like a violent type i can kind of see mm -hmm. why the logic all fits together from pilot's perspective in a way that obviously like he's awful But I do have a question about the Roman Empire for you. Yes. So a lot of people, a lot of annoying people online who are big Rome heads, but are not critical of the Roman Empire, a lot of them just kind of like espouse, like R Rome had infrastructure, Rome had this and et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that those are unique to Roman society? Or would you say that those are kind of like, you know, exaggerations on how the peak of, like, Roman engineering and construction, would you say that's kind of, like, anecdotal in the grand scheme of things? What was the actual, like, experience of people living in the Roman Empire of, like, its infrastructure? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think they were 
the Romans were not like, I guess the one thing they did do uniquely well was engineering. Um, most of the other stuff they did was literally just looking at what other cultures in their like milieu did and like, oh, that's cool. We'll copy that. Like having no, you know, egotistical attachment to their own way of like, like they, the, the gladius, their famous sword is from Spain. They adopted Greek philosophy like wholesale, you know, so it's like if it works, okay, let's do it. Uh, but like the one area where they were kind of innovative and pathbreaking was in engineering and stuff. So that was remarkable. You know, some of the, the aqueducts and the roads and buildings like the Colosseum and the Pantheon still stand today, which is remarkably impressive. Uh, however, like it's not, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to call that. Like, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of like latent white supremacy in most of those like big, like, marble bust statue accounts when they're talking about like oh they used to be able to build we can't build anymore it's like you know china did that too and they did it really well and egypt like we can still see the pyramids like this is not a unique to rome and unique to europe uh i think they did a lot of things better than a lot of those civilizations but the idea of like a massive infrastructure project being completed uh the, the grand canal of china is more impressive than anything Rome ever did infrastructure wise. And that's still around. So, uh, but then that being said, as far as like how the degree to which the infrastructure would permeate down to like the regular person, if you lived in Rome, you got to experience it all. Uh, cause that's where the elite were. So they were making these things for themselves and you just kind of got to tack onto that. Uh, but out in the provinces, I mean, they built bats when they, moved the army out um they built roads to get the army to places so i think they did raise the standard of living in a lot of the places they moved out to whether you can like i don't think that's worth them first burning everything down taking half your country and your city as slaves and you know right. uh murdering murdering the other half like you know that's uh you know if if my if my wife or kids got carted off as slaves but i got a bathhouse two years later i'm not calling that a win so uh oh my god guys you know, <laughs> look we have roads we, we have yeah, yeah. Yeah. so god, you've got a lot you got a he heavy standards here look you, I know, yeah i, I, I know maybe know i'm i'm being a mo i'm being a modern slaves. i'm being unfair but yeah, I mean, like, but how much you look, look outside. You see that? That's a road. That's a road. <laughs> it's a road, true. baby. There's definitely a lot of chauvinism in, like, you know, the statue head guys glorification yeah. of Rome. Yet, like, just also the way women were treated in Rome. Oh, for sure. Obviously, uh, the slave society. Yeah. Yeah. Like, certainly something you would, uh, a reactionary would find desirable, I think. Mm hmm. But they were, um, I mean, what, what Rome was, was good at was, was empire building, kind of like what, mm. you know, like what uh, Guy was saying there is, is right. uh, what, what comes up in your guys' videos a lot is a phrase I've noticed anyway is pragmatism, that mm -hmm. the, the Romans were, were very pragmatic. They had a really, um, in my mind, I kind of take that almost as a cold mentality about what makes an empire an empire and effective. Right. And so because of that. Um, you know, they will yank what works out of whatever, but their main goal was statecraft. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. <laughs> they were oh, yeah. really good at crushing places and forming states around it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that the 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 cult of pragmatism, like one of the one of the reasons I, f I find Rome so fascinating and then like viewing this from a Christian perspective is like, I think I'm just I'm so disappointed because you'll have like these people who will be like, 
you know, they'll call themselves like Arch Tradcath 1488 and then they'll, <laughs> you know, and they'll have a bust of Marcus Aurelius as their profile oh, picture and they'll be like, we need to make a 28. Yeah, it's <laughs> sure. like we need to we need to make a theocracy and also we need to bring back like Roman Empire. It's like, buddy, like these two these value systems are diametrically opposed you know like uh right yeah and and like there's a reason they spent 300 years killing christians uh like it's it's because they they recognized it as an incompatible religion with like their worldview which was fundamentally pragmatic to the point that their religion like the religion of the ancient romans was essentially pragmatism like you didn't have relationships with the gods you would like burn uh you'd kill a cow burn its guts and be like well that's what jupiter likes so i'm gonna get stuff now like there was no uh Mm, mm-hmm. you know there was no sense of like like they had priests but it's like you you couldn't go to your priest and be like hey i'm struggling like uh you know my dad died i'm struggling with something it's like he'd be like go away i, I hate you like i'm i'm a rich aristocrat yeah. like why are you talking to me so uh you know there, there yeah. was no like yeah. there was no like spirit like not to say that i think they legitimately believed in it. i think there was like a spiritual aspect well, of it but it was like so fundamentally different from how we conceive of religion yeah, it, it was like it's like treated like a fact of life rather than yeah. like oh you know god mm-hmm. is someone i have a personal relationship with or something like that it's not that it's like uh you know god the gods are people that i just hit up real quick for a favor yeah or you know, gotta I, keep I gotta them keep them on terms. my yeah you gotta be on yeah. good terms with them gotta you know, give yeah. them give them some food every month, and uh, you know, hopefully exactly. they don't smite me. Yeah, and, like, yeah. A, and the way that the you know concept of empire itself was like just so tied up in the Roman religion as well. You know, like the mm-hmm. gods of war yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's we we talked about how like they they wanted to. It was so important to have their their wars be justified, as they wanted the gods on their side. But that was the belief. It's like you know, if we're the aggressor, mm-hmm. the gods won't be on mm-hmm. our side. So it's like they would concoct these like bizarre rituals of like they would you know they they would always throw a spear in to like start the war to like announce it and then they would just go ahead and invade it's like oh we announced it first you know like we didn't just invade you uh we 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 gave you a three yeah we sent a guy they also like practice yeah and i i think like sorry if we're going a little bit off track here but like the sort of soft imperialism they did do with their religion, you know, having like these other polytheistic religions of, you know, people that they um, they conquered and like asking those people, please take our gods and we'll like, you know, we'll uh, we'll build some temple seers and in here and here, but mm-hmm. like make a make make our gods a part of your pantheon. Um, and that was sort were- of. It was it was a spiritual pledge to the empire, and I think that is why they were so confused by Judaism when they first yeah. saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, oh they, my God. they made a big show of before they would like uh, before they sacked a city, they would make a they would have a ritual where they invited all the gods to like, hey, come to us. Like, we're clearly going to win this war. We're going to kill all your people, but like, we'll worship you back in Rome. You know, like because it was I, I guess the, one of the things we forget about paganism is they. There was no like conflicting belief system until they, you know, interacted with Judaism, until they interacted with like convicted monothe- monotheists. There was mm-hmm. like somebody saying, like, oh, I believe in these guys. They're like, oh, well, he's obviously real then. You know, like either he's either he's <laughs> someone either he's someone we've never heard of or he's a different name for this other guy that we also worship. So like there was like nobody's religious beliefs could ever really be false in that sense, right? So mm-hmm. Well it's very interesting because uh, it's a uh, little 
Uh, oh, you go, quick, Jack. Just, you go. just a quick, interesting fact. I do have a question, but we'll get to that later because I really do like this discussion. Um, is the magical papyri that you find in, uh, like, post... Like, during a, during the actual empire period, um, mm-hmm. when the Judea becomes a province, is you find, like, magical papyri invoking Yahweh? Oh, because Yahweh's, like, new... Yahweh's new yeah, and weird and like he's hip, he's cool. Like he, <laughs> he's there's the something cool weird. New God. He's you're like, like the cool you're like the weird. you're like the you're like the Don Draper for Yahweh right now. You're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he's like 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 there's this cool weird guy out in the Levant. He's like yeah, you know he he's got this thing about wine, but he's not like you know that there were. I forget the Roman historian that said that Jews worship Bacchus, which was very funny. Simply because of like <laughs> wine and, th- and like and that that was it. That was his only. Oh my god! There are so many funny he like was, Roman yeah. Romans misunderstanding he was like, uh, Judaism. It's like uh, uh, you, okay, they, we gotta find do. a similar god to this. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you do. Yeah, like you guys a, a worship like a donkey wine. god because donkeys yeah. show up a lot in your religion. You like, like well, what's up with that? He always Dionysus, yeah. right? He's Dionysus. Um, yeah, but that's always like. The specific, like, magical papyri don't make that same thing. Like, they don't equivocate Yahweh as being mm-hmm. like another god. They keep him unique. But, they, like, it's something that it seemed for magical practice for the Romans. They dug that. There was something that was, like, so weird and cool mm-hmm. about, like, exclusive worship of one. Like, that, like, wait, what? That's so wild. Obviously, yeah. you could give me magical powers. Yeah, they, yeah, there was a I well because I think kind of what I what I talked about earlier about the relationship being so transactional is there was such like a thin barrier between magic and faith, like or not. Yeah, I, I think faith, faith. I think faith is probably the wrong word. Magic and religion, like religion as practice, was basically like the magic of like I do this for you, you do this for me, quid pro quo, uh, with with these forces in the sky, and I think when something didn't work. If it's like, whoa, dang, I wanted my neighbor's like uh, teeth to fall out and it didn't happen. I guess I talked to the wrong God. And so like you would, I think that's why somebody like they would find Yahweh appealing is it's like, oh, here's one I haven't heard of before. I obviously was going to the wrong people before. And then you just keep going until your neighbor's teeth do fall out that you hate. And it's like, okay, that's the guy. Mm. That's the teeth falling out God. <laughs> I the image right. of like a Roman that's a, like we'll a say. like a Roman guy who's basically the equivalent of that annoying neighbor that becomes like <laughs> a worshiper of Yahweh simply because that like, there, his neighbor cool. gets screwed over. It's like, oh man, Yahweh the, okay, now I, I guess Dude, I gotta accidentally build a shrine converts to, Yahweh to Judaism. Now. I would not mm-hmm. Um My hot take is like I would still not like classify the romans as like religiously tolerant if the religion was not benefiting them uh, oh yeah uh, obviously right. that... i suppose yeah judaism um, can attest just to that for the countless yeah the countless examples you see in the levant and herod's bullshit yeah uh it yeah. makes me ask yeah, well it's, it's like it's like that's the that's the empire in and of itself like that we're like it's it's in it, it espouses itself as tolerance but like anything that exists outside of like the narrow band of what you know is directly beneficial or mm-hmm. they're directly familiar with it's like oh well, obviously we're not tolerant of that you know it's like oh right. no you're describing so, america oh no you're describing oh america. yeah oh, kind no, of kind of yeah. 
Oh, oh that's, uh, yeah. no, that, that's just a coincidence. Simply, coincidence. I, yeah, I just a coincidence. A it was, yeah. I do have a question though. Go so, ahead, Phil. Did the Romans? So one of my favorite. I loved watching the Northmen because it it actually it showed off how weird pagan societies and pagan religions were, mm-hmm. and how kind of like they had this caustic idea that like you know strong man achieve you know best thing. Because the gods decreed in a transactional sort of way that you mm-hmm. were destined for greatness and murdering lots of people because mm-hmm. you're so good at murdering lots of people. But one of the things that I found astonishing was like kind of the the pagan ritual where they're all kind of standing around and like they're like, we're Odin's wolves. So and then they just kind of like try to make themselves seem kind of more beastly. And they, like, mm-hmm. did Romans have a weird equivalent of, like, kind of gearing themselves up? Th- there, I, this might be a, a weird the, question. There's, like, a direct, I think there's, like, a direct comparison with the Lupercalia, which is, they would get uh, guys, to, it's called, like, it's the Festival of the Wolf. It's, like, celebrating the wolf that suckled Romulus and Remus, and it's, I think, every February mm-hmm. 15th. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, they would go into a cave, they would, uh, the aristocratic there were two aristocratic families that were the priests of this cult. And then they would, uh, they would kill a dog and then they would put the blood all over their faces and they'd wear, uh, nothing. And then they would get, uh, they would get the hide of a wolf and they would go running around. They would run around the city, uh, hitting people with it. Uh, and that was supposed to make, that was supposed to make women fertile. So yeah, like of, so, naturally. like that's. I mean, that's what I do. and like that's and that's the thing. Yeah, that's I mean, not like a thing that, that happened not... once. Doesn't track, does it? No. No. <laughs> uh, but no, like that's makes, a thing. It makes that... sense. That's how I met my girlfriend. Actually. No, that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that... Some wolf. Every February fifteenth, that's what they did for that's what you know did, thousands yeah. of years, and it was like you know, and then, so you yeah, we Rome rationality and like that that exists. There's a, there's never it's never too far removed from something just utterly bizarre like that, but like mm-hmm. within the pagan mindset is it's like well, if you did it once you have to keep doing it forever because it evidently worked right like you know uh-huh. we didn't yeah. get hit by a meteor so like that we have to do all the things we did before. yeah Mars like, didn't smite us this week guys so yeah. let's keep it up it's um yeah. it's the oh you you know the famous uh, superstition of the pigeons um experiment um. Mm-hmm. Where um, they would they would drop uh, bird seed at random intervals um, onto pigeons, but pigeons would eventually start learning that they happened to be hopping on one foot or something uh, when the seeds would come down. So they would start just hopping on one foot constantly, okay. trying to recreate the uh, recreate the the behavior. I mean, it's it's the same thing. We've just been you know yeah, it's, that's it's kind that's, of the same repeated behavior. <laughs> that, I think that's I think that's I mean, obviously, like the origins of these festivals are lost to time, but they had. You know, several a month. Like the the there was a, a calendar that was like r- rigidly adhered to. I almost said religiously, mm. but that would be a dumb thing to say because, of course. <laughs> but like, uh, it <laughs> was like it was very it was very rigidly adhered to a calendar sure. of like full of festivals. Uh, you know, several mm. times a month of things like that that are that bizarre, where the Romans wouldn't necessarily even know the origin of it. They would just know, well, we did this and things seem to be going well for us. So we've got to keep, we keep doing we're it evidently it's, it's appeasing like, some deity somewhere by doing this. Yeah. So, so, so oh, I was going to say, uh, it reminds me of an anthropology piece that we had to read in class and it's called baseball magic. And it's basically, this is how baseball mm. like superstition works. 
is that if you do something and you win, you keep doing the thing until mm-hmm. you lose, and right. then you change what you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but absolutely. the Romans would have said by losing, it's like, oh, we we didn't do it right because like <laughs> yeah, for right. our ancestors, it's like so when we killed the cow, you know, you must have messed up the w- exact words you said. So like they like they were that like because yeah. it, it was it was well, more than like you know like. I, I I think you're 100 percent right about like that that that's the origin of superstitions. But like when it is a, and I think even most baseball players are very tongue in cheek about it. It's like a fun little hobby. But like yeah. when it's governing every aspect of your life, like you're literally convinced that yeah. you have present you've prevented the sky from falling by like throwing salt over your shoulder. And so and so I I know you you made the comment earlier that um you know is 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 a really interesting historical question always which is what is the difference between magic and religion when you're talking about mm-hmm. I mean really any society but especially you know these ancient societies and medieval society um I I, I guess I I kind of want to return to that question because I think it's interesting here like how would a Roman think of this you know. Because I, I know they would have concepts of magic and superstition mm-hmm. also. So, like, how yeah. would your average Roman think of, like, well, you know, when I go and beat this, like, wolf pellet against a random woman that makes her fertile, but, you know, et cetera. Like, it's 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 weird when the people in the back, you know, these backwoods people start yeah. you know, burning incense or whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that, well, they superstitio is a Latin word, and it's like yeah. attaching too much emotion to your. So, like they they thought Christians were, it was viewed as a superstition because like they were. It's like, well, you're actually mm. enjoying this, you know? Like you're like, you're you think God is talking back? What? No, he. Oh like, my God! Your back. God actually likes you. Our God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> get, yeah. get real, bro. God. Hates yeah. Get so, real. Yeah. Gods only like appreciate you if you give them shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when them seeing Christians like in a and it wasn't just Christians but like a lot of Eastern cults that or religions that came out of uh, the Eastern half of the empire were very popular in the same period that Christianity was popular because they filled that need of like a personal relationship with the divine and a lot of the other religions that were competing with Christianity even had language of like salvation and like your your eternal soul will be oh like mm-hmm. Mithraism yeah. yeah. And uh, the cult of Isis, like there's there's several of them that were quite prominent. And the educated Roman would have been like, oh, well, that's like you can't have fun while you're doing it. You know, like, yeah, you can't enjoy it. Yeah, you can't enjoy like your relationship with the gods. Like that's superstition. (laughs) So uh, interesting. You're just supposed to tolerate it and get. Well, I mean, like that kind of I mean, since Rome was a stoic society, you know, that really. That does make sense, man. Yeah, I you love just do, you just do what your you just do what your dad did. Essentially, it's like it's like yeah. Yeah. everyone who like it's a fundamentally conservative society. Everyone everyone who came before you was right about everything. So like you can't mm. innovate on things that yes have oh already God. happened. And finally, mm. a society of, of men being bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I, I actually feel that out. this is like this is the fascist um, impetus. I mean, I mean, like a lot of fascist movements did, like take a lot of things from Rome. Because well, it's always, it's yeah. the pace. aesthetic <laughs> wise and ideology wise. I mean, if we're yeah. going so, historically, yes. it did like fascism in its historical root began in Italy and was ostensibly mm-hmm. just like jerking <laughs> Rome off. Like that, that was yeah. the entire point of uh, was harkening I mean, well, back was to what like Mussolini's. Yeah, and broadly, yeah, that's that was his uh, goal. My was hot... the second Roman. 
He wanted to make the second Roman Empire. Yes. He was so successful <laughs> about it too. He 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 was so. Oh successful. yeah, yeah. Um, but he was so successful, something... Jackal, that like he had to look at the entire thing from a different uh, angle. Hey, I see. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, hey. that's good. I so, I do like that. I I do that. That is very good. Um. I feel I do have a question, and it kind of gets away from where we're per- currently going. So I do kind of Shoot, feel bad yeah. about it, but it is something that I really enjoy about the channel. Um, I am a big fan of like the average person's life in history, mm-hmm. and that's like mm. when you go through history in the beginning stage of like someone who is interested in history. How old, however old you are as a child, like. I remember when I was a kid and I was so into history, but the only stuff that I really read about was about like the big important people. Mm-hmm. So you really couldn't mm-hmm. get the idea that the past becomes more and more kind of mythicized as something that is more removed right. from who you are as like a human being. And it, it starts to like, you can't really relate to it as well. And something that I really enjoy about uh, your guys' channel is that it puts like a face not i i use a face as like it it puts like humanity back into the ancient world as something that you can Mm, relate to mm -hmm. as oh yeah these were all human beings for all that that entails both for good and for ill and the complicated weird messy stuff that Mm -hmm. that entails and i particularly enjoy the episodes about like what did romans like about like what did they find attractive about each other what mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. roman dating like what was roman like dating. yeah i oh what, those like those are those are some of my favorites of your guys Yo, I, was, I thought i saw you at the cold of jupiter last very week. interesting yeah. thank you thank it's you it's so it, it's such like a anytime where i find anything it's not just specifically about rome it's basically any time period in the past when someone applies like no these were all like regular people and yeah. they came from different economic brackets and they like lived life i think that that's something that isn't really talked about a lot it's getting better a bit more now but it's still something that i think a lot of people forget when they talk about ancient history i think you specifically see that in like the marble statue at uh, profile pictures they seem to just think <laughs> that history was they specifically think of history as great man history exclusively and just yeah. kind of imagine history as Civ five, where you go through like your <laughs> the skill tree, you go through the skill tree and eventually you become like the enlightened white Roman and the barbarians mm. of the gates sort of throw down the, the walls mm-hmm. and then we got corrupted and we have to go back and get, you know, get back to that enlightened time. Um, well, the sad thing but is that, you know, it's... Kinda... And, and if we know if they were more intellectual, they would see the world as EU4, actually. It's funny. Well, yeah, just, just to quickly respond. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot. To, I, I like to hear. I like to hear that the people find the work we do valuable. But yeah. one of the reasons we do want to center... Uh, the average person is because there were millions of average people and only a couple of like mm-hmm. rich people. And conflict I think one theory, of the problems with theory. Yeah. Yeah. Conflict theory. Very yeah. important. And uh, so, but one of the big problems is when, when people like that, those like trad 
idiots look at history, they're like, oh, well, I wish we lived then. Obviously, I would have been like a senator. It's like, no, your odds of being a senator are like so infinitesimal. Like if you're not, if your father was not a billionaire, like in our current society, there were, there were anywhere from like 300 to 600 senators at a time. If you're not in the, if you were not born into like one of the top 600 wealthiest families in the country, Mm -hmm. you would not have been a senator. Like, you know, so it's fair to say that when you see 20,000 people like a tweet about, oh, we need to go back. It's like, buddy, like you would have been a slave, dude. Like, yeah. Exactly. So like, and I, I think yeah. it just does so much like it's like you you sell yourself short when you only view like the aristocratic, you know, proper gentleman idiots as as the only people who mattered in history, the only people who existed in history uh, and just assume that like, oh, well, I've, you know, I've read I've read Virgil. So obviously I would have been an aristocrat. No, dude. No. no. So you would have been many of the nameless people that yeah, we don't exactly. know anything about, they, uh, and we're desperately trying to figure yeah. out about. You know, it's, that's, yeah, it's something you would have been that a is road builder. You would it's have something been that is so slave, frus- right? frustrating to see. You, I think that we both dunked on this tweet, so I think you're going to know the tweet that I'm talking about. But it was <laughs> okay. the, like looking at like that TikTok of a guy just kind of like going through his life. Oh yeah, and yeah. The tweet was: This guy would have led legions. This guy yeah. would have would have like in. But now he's like a wage slave cuck. Oh Look at yeah, how the guy who like works <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Like he, and has, he has a has normal amazing. life. He has a normal, good, healthy life. Like he goes to the gym regularly. His job doesn't uh, uh, seem too bad. Like he, yeah, he, he's making but, like a kind of depressed face the whole the... time. They make this point that basically every white dude had the capability of being caesar or basically any any of like the main people that the average person thinks of in terms of roman history every like average white guy could have been like an That's emperor so or, a senator or a general yeah but the simple statistic of history is no that is not <laughs> yeah. going to happen no you and wouldn't the have best been. case scenario is that you're one of like you're just an average person living in that you Roman make it to city. age 13 before you die of malnutrition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the best case scenario. Yeah, the worst that's case a good, scenario. That's a good is, life. Yeah. The worst case scenario is that you get gutted in a battlefield run by a guy who yeah. his family tree resembles more like a small Christmas shrub than anything else. <laughs> and he kind of And he spends yeah, most of his see... free time like or you know, you're a woman. all the boils. Yeah. Or, or, or oh god, if you were a woman, not, yeah. it's even worse. I I'll tell you. I wouldn't have had a good deal in ancient Rome. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, yeah. That's the th- yeah. That's the thing is that fifty percent of the people there well, were women. Finch. So yeah, yeah. Maybe you would have been yeah, so lucky. Yeah, like, I, I am condemned. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll be lying around in a fancy Roman villa, but like, mm. uh, then I will be condemned to be uh, sold off to my parents to uh, a random guy they at like. like twelve. Yeah, at like twelve. And I go from being my father's property to my husband's property. <laughs> well, and listen, don't get is, um, any rights the, of my own. I don't get any uh, rights to vote or be in government or have a say in maybe, anything. I'm just there to bear children and weave. So, yeah. No, 
No, I, one thing I found really interesting about your What Did Romans Find Attractive video um, was that there was more freedom or there, there was like less like freedom for women in higher classes than in like more the middle class. Um, I don't know if you wanted to say anything on that specifically, but that was kind of tied to kind of weird. Just yeah, I, I mean, I think I think like going like if you had if I had to choose, I would prefer to be a woman of the upper class because like you would have a you know yeah. a decent chance of you know making it past your fifth birthday. You know, whereas like that's, you know, that's child true. child yeah. child mortality like being so high, like it was not pretty. But that being said, like yeah, like 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 Finch alluded to that you know the the marriages were arranged by families, and of course even at the lower classes that was the it was all families joining, but like the 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 folks entering into that marriage would have had more of a say in how it hmm. transpired because if there's you know seventy five thousand other people who make three dollars a day you know it's like it's like well this guy also makes three dollars a day he's you know there's no do no real difference let me be with the one I like so uh, whereas like the wealthy is it's all it was all power politics and you know trying to marry up and and stuff like that so uh, yeah there there would have been more you know because there's a guide to dating to find so evidently people were dating to find you know long-term romantic partners mm-hmm. um and that but that clearly goes against what we would have known about how uh the upper class families arranged sure well, that's like the worst thing about down. great man society right like all of these dudes great always hearken on like how great like great man society like you would have been an amazing senator you would have gotten to lead legions into battle, but, like, literally all of these people made themselves miserable all the time, because they were, yeah. like, four minutes away from being assassinated at any given time, and, like, everybody around them hated them. Your wife hated you, your children hated you, your son was well, most likely conspiring to stab you in your sleep, like, three times a week. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, Guy, but there was also, like, a tolerance for, like, um... Uh, Philly, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. But basically, the husband being able to kill the wife and the children. <laughs> what? Oh, that that, that yeah. that was yeah yes. So that was a theoretical right he had, but it was very from what we understand, it was like very rarely exercised because there would have been such like a social stigma that came with it. Right. Uh, and there are actually cases of at least at the aristocratic level where records were left of they weren't able to just kill a wife because that's another rich guy's daughter, you know? Right. Um, oh, so rich like, guy there, there's, an in, interest, there's an instance. Yeah. yeah so there's <laughs> like, you know, if it's, if it's two poor people, like there, there were no police. So like, who's going to, you know, who's, who's going to lift a finger to care. But like, if one Senator is married to another Senator's daughter and he kills her, like that's a problem for him. So the divorce was super easy. So they would, typically have gone that route but it was like on the books that yeah you had power of life the potter familias had power of life and death over the entire household like no appeals process but from what we understand it would have it was like so rarely uh used because there was so much social stigma attached to like killing your kid for for a good reason right but it's kind of a dick move if you think we're not yeah we're not you're not you can't you can't you can't come you can't sit with us at the coliseum if you kill billy this was kind of like, like it, would, it, it would be I considered mean, it, like it, it a, doesn't a help social that your kids have like a 98 percent of chance of dying Wait, anyway. yeah, yeah 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 it's what, like what's the jackal it uh it would make you a social pariah essentially yeah and yet, it's yeah. not even in the most patriarchal hellhole that was Rome. 
murdering your wife and children probably will make people <laughs> think that you're kind of insane. Yeah, there's the only times I'm familiar with a son or a son being executed by his father was like for cowardice during war or for oh, uh, you know, for shaming the family at during battle, like not a uh, like running away or not oh, that's doing your great. duty. There's even one where. A, a son led like a cavalry charge and like the dad has been like hey stay back and he led a cavalry charge and was successful and the dad was like well you disobeyed me i'm gonna kill you so but that's like all within like the military sphere so to speak oh. uh, mm-hmm. and the only one i know of of a husband killing his wife was under the reign of tiberius and he was actually like prosecuted for it and forced to kill himself because his the, the his wife was the daughter of another rich guy so oh right uh, rich guy he... conflict of interest yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah patriarchal patriarchal like terrible society and like the thing that we forget is it's like like my dad is still alive so like i would not be allowed to own property in ancient rome so like oh, you can right. be like if you're mm-hmm. like a you know, if you're one of those people who's like, no, listen, I'm a white guy and all I want is like a society that benefits me, uh, screw everyone else. It's like, you know, you you don't own a thing at all until you're the head of well, your household. Is your that something control was... over you until he croaks? So, yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. something that carried over to the founding fathers? Because that was in early America. You couldn't own pro- like it was only a very specific kind of person who could vote. And you had to property own property, owners, yeah. and it yeah. there was there are a lot of like weird, mm. stupid ways to keep you from being a property owner if you aren't like an aristocrat. So yeah, the 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 whole like property like Jefferson was the biggest like Jefferson and Madison were like huge Rome weebs, and they were just such like idiots about it because like like jefferson like such he's i hate him so much because he's like oh i'm a farmer just like you it's like do you ever get your hands dirty no i own a lot of slaves and they farm but like i am i own the land so i'm a farmer like he he really thought of himself as like this hyper virtuous like you know in touch (laughs) with the earth guy is like what do you do you watch people work and then you beat them if they don't work hard enough you know like yeah way to go so but like that mindset was like a very roman mindset like they can the roman aristocracy like farming was the honorable way to make money it wasn't through like business that was kind of considered shameful and even it was illegal for senators to be involved in a lot of different kinds of business landowning was the way to go so that that ethic was definitely transmitted to here and like he uh here initially where property owners were the only ones that could vote that's how it was uh by and large in ancient rome you were split the more property you owned the more your vote counted essentially they had a very elaborate system where you were broken down into like a hundred, it was like 190 classifications and tiers of wealth, and everyone within a certain tier got to cast one vote. You would all kind of collude. But like at the top tiers, there's 10 guys who own at that level, if that makes sense. Whereas at the bottom, there could be 6,000 people who own at that level of wealth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but yeah. you each get one, you each, each block gets one vote. So like, that's it was a very convoluted way to like be anti-democratic and lo and behold it was one of like the direct inspirations for the electoral college which is anti-democratic <laughs> and terrible yes oh yes. boy now, we love our you know, institutions that don't the run, more don't we, folks? the more that i hear about robe the more i think man we probably should have based our our government off of this thing Oh, no, no, yeah, 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 an Iron Age society, a bronze to Iron Age society 2000 years ago 
not you know there weren't there were not as many supercomputers or nuclear submarines then so you know it's it's kind of uh, a lot of those institutions are outdated and senator senator literally means old man <laughs> that's so awesome. Like, guys, like this, guys. Sorry, I guess Senate Senate means like the meeting of the old guys. And but it's guys, like we took that directly from them. This is just the, so stupid. The, the sculpture. How, how old the, is your, your senator, is so Josiah? Good. How old is Chuck Grassley, Josiah? That's a great question. Uh, older than, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. But um, how could our society I was going to make Eddie, a joke and like too many, too many jokes. Too many jokes started coming out of my mouth at once and they all got clogged. Uh, no, 89 <laughs> years old. <laughs> God. By God. Is is he older Is he older than Dairy Queen? Because I know he loves Dairy Queen. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. My, my, claim, my claim to Iowa, I've been to that Dairy Queen like many times. That Chuck Grassley. The, the one, the one that's that. good for, for you, you know, know what. what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a normal Dairy Queen. I have no fucking what is idea he talking what that's... No one knows. <laughs> like... Like people here don't know because it's just a normal Dairy Queen. <laughs> you're not. You're, you're well. You're not. As you know, as far yeah, as you know, as far yeah. as you might know. know something you don't, Josiah. Yeah. Oh, about what it's good for. God, so here's wait, my wait, wait, here's wait. my question. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait Josiah wait, wait, found wait. something. Yep, Chuck Just... Grassley is older than Dairy Queen. <laughs> there we oh, go. Oh God. <laughs> We by seven, by seven years, by seven years. I I think uh. that if you are if you are older than Dairy Queen, <laughs> I don't think that you should be running politics. I that's my. You should I get think free. If, you should get free ice cream at Dairy Queen. Yes, you should. Not yes, be a you senator. should. Yeah, we you can, should not be a senator. Can, that's the trade. Let's pitch him on that. Let's pitch him on that. <laughs> I, I th- he might take it. He might, and, you know, more if you know what, whatever that means. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I want more if you know what. Have no clue what it is, but I'd like to have more. But of you'll it. get more of it. He's just um, talking about sprinkles, extra sprinkles. Someone, someone extra. gave him. <laughs> someone recognized him and just here you go, Chuck. And he's like, he it's it. like you know what. So you know what. I want to now quickly... that we we're we're talking more about it. So you're saying that the society of syphilitic pedophiles who did not do institutions well and also just doomed everybody to an uncertain future through short-sighted horrible <laughs> yeah. political engineering you're saying that that's a society that was 2000 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh yeah and we we consciously emulated them and the the funny thing is is it's like it had already fallen and collapsed like as a republic and then as an empire so it's like like it's it's funny because you'll have people who are like oh will you like communists always say that communism will work this time it's like buddy you want to resurrect rome we know how it mm-hmm. like we know what happened like don't don't make jokes about like the the weird tanky with 12 followers who wants who has a picture of stalin as their avatar like don't dunk on them if you've got a picture of marcus you're, aurelius and you're, you're doing like, the same thing there, <laughs> yeah exactly you both, but like you, yours you <laughs> yours collapsed even longer Guys, ago this empire is it's gonna like work it's like those little time. crows that get mad at their reflection <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh it's like a beta fish right <laughs> it's really Same. funny to me because it's like it's so like uh, i love these people because they they look at like the sculptures and so, some of the fine art which i i want to ask this question of you is that even representative of how most of rome looked to the average person well for starters no because like 
is, and this is one of the funniest things is like all those, all the temples, the stonework, the statues, everything was painted and it was like super garish. Like it was like bright. It was like not like the stoic white marble is like, you know, it's seen as so like contemplative and so classic, right? Like this just sheer mm-hmm. white featureless uh, marble uh, temples and you know, it, it seems to imbue some sense of like grandeur in them as like, wow, they just carved it and let it be. It's like, no, this was painted. If you look at like, because there's residue on a lot of them and they can reconstruct how they would have looked like they were very vibrant and loud. So like, that's a huge misconception that a lot of people have. Um, I, I can I can jump in as a as a the resident art historian. Um, uh-huh. And that that is a particular product of the Renaissance, because by that point, uh paint had chipped had away yeah, had deteriorated yeah. off of those yeah. statues but after the crusades and sort of the the recollection of the knowledge of of rome and books on roman philosophy and art and reconstructions of that started to come to europe through italy mm-hmm. that's where like that idea sprouted up until then because of the collapse of the western roman empire there was still this idea there there was they didn't think about that and by that point uh, even you know educated officials within western europe that wasn't something that they thought about their art had went through its own trajectory and eastern rome had its own offshoot of art that was influenced by icon by uh um, Orthodox icons that already had yeah. its roots in Byzantine, Eastern yeah. Greek mosaics. Byzantine. Byzantine. So it's if just to sort of like basically reinforce the point that this says no, the idea of mm. like that crisp white marble look and aesthetic that your typical trad account that posts like that just reposts the same thing about you know we could go back what happened and it's just a picture of mcdonald's like every <laughs> every time they do it's a complete it it, it is jack jackal it's to an go accident. with what you're saying like th- looking at one of these like stupid garish like fucking statues like walking out and seeing it is less the equivalent of like wow look at this like amazing con it's like seeing a fucking public ronald mcdonald statue it's like, <laughs> like on the bench it's the same fucking color codes like it well, looks like and, shit and i think but like i maybe so that's one thing but then to, i think to bring it in more in, in tune with like what the spirit of your question was about like is that how the romans would have you know seen the world through that like full of art i think yeah if you lived if you lived in rome you would have been surrounded by art but I think one of the things we do is abstract it as like, oh, that's all classical art. It's like, no, this were this is a litany of styles because it's art from all over the world, and like you would have seen it change by, you know, generation, different techniques of sculpture. So like there were radical artists, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, we're trad, and like everything we do has to be this exact form, right? And I think Jackal in being an art history guy could could talk about this as well but like they was there was innovation then and like people then would have recognized like oh this is one from 200 years ago this is one from now it's different and like they've innovated they've changed like they're it's not constant and even architecture was the same way the uh the pantheon for example was like a radically different way to it was a circular temple with a big dome it was a radically different way to build a building and so like the idea of like, oh no, like they had one way of perceiving it and that's the right way that we have to go back to. No, there were avant-garde ways of expression in art and architecture even then. So 
It was not monolithic. The art world of ancient Rome would not be that radically different from the art world of now. You would have you would have high art. You would quote unquote high. I yeah. really hate the term high art, but you have the, the like the art that is commissioned via either the state or the aristocracy, mm-hmm. um, and that would be you know have that that's through the purpose of either statecraft or for a particular like aesthetic that you're trying to drive. I would roughly put that like statues of Roman emperors and temples, and that that's kind of really where you would put high art and you know other stuff associated with that but there was still like art that was created by both average people and the idea of an artist then was not the idea of an artist that kind of emerged after that where like there are particular individual artists that you are sort of you can't identify specific artists at that time because artists were viewed more as like craftsmen than like artists but Essentially, everything that you kind of think about in terms of the how art is consumed, of course, you know, without the internet and most people didn't know how to read, was still through that. People still had to get entertainment. Still, People still had, like, paintings and drawing. Like, all of that still existed, and it wasn't a monolith. There were, especially because Rome was so diverse with variety, like, coming from different corners of the world, so... It's just a, a basically the summation, I think, to, to Guy's point is that uh, it just doesn't exist. These tr- the, it, it's a monolithic idea that never existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question um, that ties to, again, the trad accounts, because I, I think that this is just something you can't really escape when it comes to Rome, is yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the particular issue of a debate of race in Rome. Mm-hmm is something that I don't really find interesting, but people on the internet do. And for some reason, I am roped into these discussions because God granted me melanin, thank- thankfully. <laughs> um, so it's like, I remember one of the first big arguments that I, I got online was the idea on that there were like Roman emperors who were not pale. Like there, there's mm-hmm. just this idea that like, that... And this is just speaking about a very like small portion of society, that all of these people were like their idea of what a white dude would be. Yeah, and specifically, I, like, yeah. I don't think it should be like remotely controversial to be like, like, like the whiteness of like an ang like the Anglo-Saxon British Isles white was they like thought that was weird like they there's there's commentary about like how the germans they're like wow these guys have like blonde hair and that's weird you know uh and they're so pale so you know evidently there was some they were some degree darker than people from germany and the british isles like obviously we don't know exactly but like there's no i think there's no real reason to assume it's radically different from like what your average italian looks like today um so like so anyway, it's like, it's whether, you know, so, but like, then again, and then like, as it became a more metro or more cosmopolitan empire, um, you had emperors from Africa, from Spain, from, and then during the latter half of the emperor, a lot of them were from like the Danube, uh, Danube regions, mm, in like yeah, Serbia. Yeah. So, uh, like, you know, the, like the, the Balkans area. So like, and 
it's only like recently that Americans were even willing to consider Irish people white. So like these these trads being like, oh, well, they all count as white because they were Romans. It's like, well, dude, you didn't think Irish people were white, you know, literally 100 years ago. Like mm. Irish. <laughs> yeah. Well, Irish Rome was also a like fairly an evolving concept or something. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Arab Arabic was listed as white on the census until after 9-11. So. Oh, I wow. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, like it's we almost... keep splitting hairs. It, mm, it's almost uh, like race is a sociological is a sociological concept that constantly evolves oh. and it's not tied no to jackal it's a constant no it's a, are you it, kidding it's real i know right uh but i guess here uh, i'm holding it in my hands right now it's race <laughs> i can feel what? it phil, phil found race he i found, found it. race <laughs> it's in my hands right now i'm i'm grasping it it's slightly spherical and feels like I guess, a man, the last question for uh for this episode um because we we live in in troubled times uh that uh-huh. is the united states uh i i guess in terms of did rome really have an idea of, of the the like there has always kind of been a sociological conception of race that is always changing depending on that society. But speak from what you know, did the average Roman really conceive of race in any way that we would understand it? Or what, is it just something that they never really thought about? Or it's so different from how our conception of race has been since, you know, the, the, the transatlantic slave trade and the concept of its evolution therein. I th- I think that you're pretty correct in the in the latter half of of your question that they they would have noticed differences between you know people and they would have said oh these guys practice you know their religion this way or these guys dress this way these guys look like this but there was no uh, I don't think and they they would have had I guess uh, they felt like people from like, oh, these guys are weak and these these Easterners are decadent. Uh, the barbarians are great fighters, but they're stupid. Like, they would have had those broad ideas, but there was no, like, I don't think it's mm-hmm. even, there's any way to, like, track it in the same way we think about it as, like, an intrinsic property. Because I think, you know, I dislike so much, like, Rome was a very shitty society. But one thing that I did, they did kind of get right was, like, they did feel that you could become a Roman anyone could like mm, there was like mm-hmm. there and that's one of the reasons they were successful from the because be- from the beginning they were welcoming to people and you could come and if you learned the ways and it's like if you were a slave you could become free and then your kids you know you had rights that were not available to you as, as a, a former slave but like your kids were born free and they could technically in theory go far and you do have um in, like in the later empire when it was basically about who controlled the most soldiers you have folks whose parents had been slaves and then they became uh emperor at a later date so like there's a video on my channel about pertinax he's an example of that he's his father was a former slave he became a freedman he made a lot of money and then uh he was born he became friends with marcus aurelius and he ended up succeeding commodus so uh that's to say that like if a slave can rise to uh the son of a slave can rise they had they had definitely ideas about like they would have used that to denigrate somebody certainly like oh he's the son of a slave he's good for nothing but at the same time if you were actually super confident that was all just 
what somebody with sour grapes would say, you know, somebody who you got the job and they didn't, they would make fun of your, who your dad was, but it's like, well, they're only talking about that because I got the job, right? So yeah, to answer your question, I think that their ways of thinking about race were like very radically different from uh, the modern way, like the way the, the enlightenment kind of exists, kind of re, re, rejiggered things to like, create a hierarchy to justify slavery to justify the slave trade uh and now we have people doing it to justify capitalism this ranking of races and and stuff so sure, but that's yeah. not something that that's all that's all very new now guy let let's say we're we're uh let's say we're living in a horrible crumbling empire theoretically i can't speaking, no i can't even relate to that i don't know what yeah, that would no, be like no but like theoretically really let's say yeah. we were living in a crumbling um, empire how would you uh I, I don't know if this is theoretical knowledge for you, but uh, how would you hasten its decline? <laughs> well, I would. I, I've I've befriended several orcas, and uh, I'm, I, I, I've uh, I'm th- I'm going I'm going out to the sea and throwing in uh, guns and just hoping that they learn. Very very good strategy. Yeah, very good strategy. Uh, that's what brought down the whaling empire. Well, um, I mean, I I know that the question is in jest, and I do I do anxiously anticipate the the end of America because I we're we are a empire and it's we are the bad guy in a lot of the ways in, in mm-hmm. the world I think, but um, one of the things that's kind of comforting and like this is I think how like to bring in like the Christian aspects of what I do is like America is not eternal like I don't I don't know necessarily that America will end in my lifetime I don't think it will but it will end like there is an expiration date on this project there is like a future wikipedia article about united states of america 1776 to you know 2133 so like there's an end date date on this american experiment and i think that's why we can't get too attached to the country we're in is because it ultimately doesn't matter because it won't be it won't be around forever like if you believe in like the immortality of the soul people will be so like make your relationships with people and uh work with people but states powers thrones like are not eternal they're uh you know we're going to be an afterthought eventually only the kingdom of god is eternal yeah and And only the throne of christ baby (laughs) Woo! (laughs) all right shall we uh wrap up for tonight boys Sounds well, good to me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Mammonberg. I have been Josiah. You can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter.com. And I have been joined by my lovely co-hosts here. I've got Jackal. Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, you can follow me at Jekyll Jester on Twitter.com. Hopefully, Blue Sky at some point. I need to leave. I... I'll give you an I'll give you an invite once I get one. I'm on Blue Sky. Oh, I'm on Blue Sky now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Josiah, send me to Blue Sky. Send us all to Blue Sky. (laughs) uh, Finch. (laughs) Hi, yeah, guys. Thank you for listening in. Uh, You can follow me at Finchor on Twitter. Even though I am no longer on Twitter, I am taking an indefinite hiatus because I just hate it being there. I love you it's, all, though. It's made it's made me so much happier to not be on Twitter. Yeah. And Phil. Man, I can't believe this guy we got off the street, who I don't even know the name of. I can't believe that he was so knowledgeable about the Roman Empire. It's <laughs> weird, the people you meet randomly. But um, 
you can follow me at Cryptid Director. Uh, I'm doing a semi hiatus from Twitter because Twitter hurts me. It hurts me so bad. It hurts me so bad. I had to have surgery on my ass. Oh my god! Which no, was, that was... Please no. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the butt surgery. We don't you need have to talk talked about, about, the about it for two weeks nonstop. <laughs> for two weeks. I well, understand I why. We, I mean, don't we, have we to get talk. it, Bill. To, to, we be, get to it. be fair, he did have surgery. Um, <laughs> and I swear, our, it's the, I act we so weird because of the no, surgery. No it. more it's ass not. surgery. And we have been joined by our lovely guest here, Gaius from the Tribunet. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, my my Twitter is Guy underscore Frieri. That's a, that's a Christian leftism joke that like four there people There we go. Get. But uh, I thought but, you were uh, just gonna leave it at guy, and it was gonna be really funny. Like your your handle no. is just at guy. But on on uh, but I am also divorcing myself from Twitter. It sucks. Uh, I'm on Blue Sky as Gaius. Dot Blue Sky Social. I don't know. There's no other Gaiuses there. And then, but what I really want you to follow is the YouTube channel because that's that actually makes me money, unlike Twitter, which makes me no money. So uh, it's trib Tribunet is the T-R-I-B-U-N-A-T-E. Tribunate is the name of the YouTube channel. Tribunate, S-P-Q-R, is the YouTube at. Uh, come check us out. I think you will like it. If you don't, you watched anyway, and I made money off it, so I don't care. <laughs> Go subscribe. It's a real treat, you guys. Thank it's you. Very, I appreciate it. You won't that. regret it. <laughs> All right, and have a wonderful, uh, wonderful rest of your day, everybody listening. And also, uh, after the music, there's a long... Uh, discussion of LBJ's uh, dick. What do you think the LBJ stands for? It starts for Large Big Johnson. So, so, but that was a good joke, Phil. Um, and not far off. So the reason he called it Jumbo was because it was evidently very large. He um, was doing what? He was he called, his... I, I'm sorry. He called me, it Jumbo like the elephant? Here. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He called it Jumbo. Uh, there's a specific Jackal, you have to. Tape. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. I know that this podcast is currently a mess, but we will roll it back and tie it back in. But I yeah, need we'll to eventually do this something. because Finch does not know this yet. So we're going to we're going to go off a little tangent about good old LBJ for if you okay. don't okay. know about this man. So LBJ, uh, probably one of the most effective uh, in terms of like domestic policy Democrats in office, yeah. aside from FDR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was also just a massive jerk. Like, he was probably one of, like, the biggest bullies in terms of politics, and that's why he got things done. Because well, he would just Jackal, make what do you think the LBJ enemies. stands for? It stands for Large Big Jerk. There you go. <laughs> right. There we All go. Right. Continue, um, Jackal. <laughs> the... Th that's how he was able to get stuff done, was that he would intimidate his political allies and enemies 
constantly by making them incredibly uncomfortable every second. We do this by sexual harassment. He do this by sexual harassment. Is what you're telling me. So, so you're telling me yeah, he would literally whip out his dick. Yeah, uh, it would. I think in the Oval Office he would do it. He would go up. To, he would go up right next to someone in the urinal and just whip it out. Um, oh. He would oh, like call. He would call AIDS while he was very loudly uh, taking a dump. And just have them <laughs> Is there like a really regal bathroom in the Oval Office? I've never thought well, about this. But, but, and he was just calling his. Yeah. So he was calling his dick Jumbo. We are so off topic here, Jackal. I'm yes, so but okay. Upset. We, I am it's so okay. upset. We'll get this. through this together. We will get it's through okay. this together. It's okay. I I might I might literally just stick all of this Johnson stuff at the end of the episode after the music so that we can that's keep fine because this you is definitely the podcast at this point. Um, this is the why this is the the LBJ hour. Uh, so he called his uh, he called us PS John um, Jumbo. Um, I should also state no, that there's no, a particular one, the there's a particular there's confidence <laughs> you you love a man because, with we know it's confirmed. Like it is confirmed. It was very large. Oh my god! Like how uh, big? Wait, we also, how big are we talking? Oh, well, I don't know the exact. Me- I don't know the specific measurements, but you'll just have to take our word that it was not an exaggeration. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. He yeah, also. It's, it's he. He did it a lot. A lot of biographers like relate this. Like he. He was not. It's not like a power play that he this. was like. I need to use this selectively. It was like he would do it to reporters, like people who are literally writing oh, yeah. news stories. Like he was not. <laughs> there, so you're Man, telling so me many that he was just—he was a sex pest, basically, yeah. and he was doing this as an act of dominance. Wow, he—he would have fit right in in ancient Rome. I gotta say. Yeah. Oh, that's um, what I was saying. Uh, this is why I love that. Like, like <laughs> twenty minutes later, we're getting my joke. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, Josiah, that as a woman, I don't know your esoteric dick jokes, okay? I don't think LBJ is that esoteric. You know, as a woman, Josiah, all right, you white men with your I I need to also tell you a specific account that happened, because it's one of my favorites of LBJ. So he was on the phone with a tailor. Yeah. He was on the phone with a tailor uh, okay. because he, he, he needed like oh, yeah. his pants refitted. Oh, Guy, oh you God. know the story. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can see where this is going. He needed his pants refitted. And there is a White House tape that if you look it up, you could go listen to this. I'm not making this up. In fact, I encourage the listener, please go listen to this tape because you'll have the biggest belly laugh possible. Where this tailor's like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Sure, Mr. President. Uh huh. Yeah. While LBJ said, "And I need you uh, to uh, I, when, when you when you when you adjust the seam, it's got to be around my, uh, my 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 balls and my bunghole because it gets real tight." <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I stuck he literally all of was this. Like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I just need to end it with like he was literally like straight up into the thing. My cock is so fucking big. Please no, make the Phil. seam long. Okay, Phil, so Jesus. this is no, no, no. Uh, it wasn't. Oh, I, no. I also want to, to note he after he said that the largest, most audible burp you've ever heard from an adult man happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not real. Texas, Texas excellence, baby. <laughs>